The long-awaited return of Power to the Pod is here. It is our mailbag episode. All of your most pressing questions, we tackle them here today on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, right. Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Tip of the cap to our everydayers, because it is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. We don't just say it. We live it. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. It's $150 if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. We got lots to get into. We have a uh, Barry Jackson report in regards to Teron Armstead. We had the Mike Tannenbaum Galaxy Brain Jalen Waddle trade that we got to hit. Got a bunch of your questions with the fan mailbag. And uh, it's been a minute since we've done Power to the Pod, where we put the power of the show back in your hands. The podcast, the pod of Dolphins, Dolphins fans, collective family of Dolphins is a pod. Uh, the, the wordplay here is some of my best work, shamelessly or not. But let's start with a couple of breaking news tidbits, including Barry Jackson reporting that Teron Armstead is expected to play this upcoming season. And uh, relative to the needs that the Dolphins have, This upcoming season, I think it does make sense for Miami uh, to retain Teron Armstead's services as compared to uh, trying to facilitate a post-June 1st cut or trade. Um, They do have the ability to restructure this contract. Uh, I think there is a a way in which you could make an argument for that to be done. It's a conversation for not today. I know everybody loves the the idea of deferring money to, to future years, but... Uh, Based off of the exit ramps on that contract, I do think uh, that is an in-case-of-emergency-break-glass type of option for Miami um, if opportunities to add a talent that that maybe is not in their perceived budget that we're expecting. Uh, They do have that lever to pull, and they they have that ability to add a little flexibility for themselves as well. But uh, we're going to get into this Jalen Waddell debate because I know Mike Tannenbaum was not the first person to float the idea out of the Dolphins trading Jalen Waddle. He went on get up and, and did a hypothetical trade where the Dolphins sent Jalen Waddle to the Kansas City Chiefs for Trent McDuffie. The argument being, well, Dolphins corner Xavier Howard uh, getting ready to, to move on. Don't know what you have in Cam Smith. McDuffie's a stud. Gives him a little bit longer runway without having to spend. Waddle is a wide receiver that that Patrick Mahomes needs. There, there's going to be players that the Dolphins need to make a decision on. Jalen Waddle, I don't think, is one of them. Look at it this way: Jalen Waddle is one of the most productive wide receivers in NFL history through his first three seasons. He just turned 25 years old. He's under contract this upcoming season and then has a fifth-year option if they need it in 2025. That's probably going to be 
about $15 million based on he hasn't made Pro Bowls, so those playtime incentives are there, but those escalators for rookie contract fifth-year options are not. If the Dolphins are going to move on from a wide receiver, and I don't think they should move on from any wide receiver in the 2024 offseason, but if you're going to get to 2025, 2026, you're going to look long-term and say, hey, you know, maybe we reset the spending at this position. Tyreek Hill turns 30 like tomorrow. <laughs> He's on the books from a salary cap perspective in 2024 for $31 million, and that's probably going to get restructured. He's on the books in 2025 for $34 million, plus whatever restructured money gets pushed out. And then he's on the books in 2026 as a 32-year-old wide receiver for $56 million against the cap. $44 million of that, by the way. Actually, it's $45 million of that. Is base salary that's not guaranteed. So you hypothetically could move on from Tyreek Hill going into 2026. Even with the dead cap that you would take, you're clearing $45 million. He's owed $45 million in cash. So do you move on from the 25-year-old wide receiver who has his whole career out in front of him? Or do you let this year play out, let next year play out, get to the end of the road with Tyreek Hill as a 31, 32-year-old veteran player, say, hey, you're due $45 million in cash this year that we can save all against the cap because none of it's guaranteed. Let's trade Tyreek Hill. Maybe you get a better pick for Jalen Waddle, and you get a pick sooner for Jalen Waddle because you would be moving on in this instance from Jalen Waddle here and now. But the whole plot, the whole plot and the, the construction and, and why theoretically what the Dolphins have built has some level of sustainability is because you have a big money contract in Tyreek Hill. And when it comes time to pay Jalen Waddle, maybe you have a year overlap. And then you phase out the old big money contract and the new big money contract is the young player that's waiting in the wings. Bradley Chubb, you phase out that contract and the Jalen Phillips contract becomes the big contract. And then you can be aggressive all over again to identify another big player to step into those shoes. Uh, the secondary with Xavier Howard, we're potentially getting ready to phase that contract out altogether. Do you phase that contract out or Jalen Ramsey's contract? And does Javon Holland become the new big contract in the secondary? Uh, Teron Armstead, you phase that contract out, does whatever offensive lineman they commit to, uh, be it Connor Williams or Robert Hunt plus Austin Jackson, those two dollars combined become the new contract, the size of the Teron Armstead contract. So there's succession opportunities. Don't get rid of the guy that's next in line who's got his whole career in front of him. And you're in a winning window, so don't get rid of your pillar players now unless somebody gives you the moon, the sun, and the stars. But yes, if you ask me in the next three years, do I think the Dolphins are trade one of their star wide receivers? Yeah, probably. And it'll probably be Tyreek Hill. Owed $45 million. Because somebody can take that and turn it into a signing bonus on a three-year deal. And he can continue to play at a high level. Or maybe the Dolphins extend it and they kick it out themselves and they don't trade either one of the wide receivers. I would never say never for trade scenarios because we watched this team in like a two-month stretch trade their first-round pick, who's a good player from the year before who had all the potential of the world to make a Fitzpatrick and traded their cornerstone left tackle for uh, King's Ransom, right? Like, those weren't a part of the original plan 
but they were too good to be true when you sat down and you had an honest conversation about where this team was in their rebuilding cycle. So Jalen Waddell trading a 25-year-old wide receiver who's five years younger than the expensive player when you'd save more money by moving on from the expensive player it's not a, a pathway that I'm following because you're going to pay players that you have brought into the fray phasing out the old expensive contracts is how you maximize how you save against the cap when you make a decision to move on from a player as compared to uh, maybe the Dolphins are weaponizing the Christian Wilkins uh, free agency for a compensatory pick. Maybe they're weaponizing Connor Williams to get another compensatory pick. I think it, it's perfectly within the realm of possibility that those happen, but is that the pipeline that you want, or do you want to try to balance that with clearing more cap space long-term, year over year, by moving on from some big money contracts as they get out of the guaranteed money portions of those contracts, a la what we are expecting to see from Xavier Howard. Who ironically, is one of the few players that got drafted by Miami and was retained for his services throughout the prime of his career. I don't know. Jalen Waddle's not one of the, the guys who's on my punch list to move on from, regardless. Uh, we have lots of your questions coming up next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins, so make sure that you stick with us. Score buckets over at FanDuel with your first bet at America's number one sportsbook because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any Winning $5 bet that's 150 bucks if your bet wins. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. So it's time to dive into our mailbag. Y'all brought the heat. We got more than I'm going to be able to get to here for sure on the show. But uh, let's let's dive in with how do the Dolphins get more picks? Trade down or tag and trade must have eight or nine picks, in my opinion, time to hit on draft picks. I think, generally speaking, eight or nine draft picks is a good place to aspire to be. I think the most obvious way to do it, there's risk incurred. When we did the Christian Wilkins uh, avenues that you can you know, move forward from here, the ideal outcome was a tag and trade of Christian Wilkins as, as the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few. Do I think Miami will actually execute that? No, because I do think there is risk incurred with that. And with Tua Tungvaloa's fifth-year option dollar amount, having that plus a franchise tag contract at $20-plus million is just not feasible, and it does not maximize what's supposed to be a competitive year for the Dolphins. So I think the best case scenario that you can have is to trade down. And I think about Jacksonville, who throughout the course of the 20s last year, traded down twice, three times, picked up some, some mid-round draft capital. I think Miami's sitting at pick 21 if they're really going to go into your offensive line or into your defensive line. Maybe not a, a if they feel confident that the guy that is their guy is going to be there for a little bit, I think you can slide down enough where you can add a day two pick. And I think that really uh, gives you a little bit more peace of mind that you can address all the needs that you want. The other thing to be mindful of is uh, Christian Wilkins, if he does leave in free agency, 
and the Dolphins stay out of the deep end of the pool for spending, you're going to get a compensatory three back in 2025. So if you know in the back of your mind, I'm getting a high draft pick back and injuries may knock it down to a four. So it's there's no guarantees. But if you know you're getting a premier comp pick back, you might be more inclined to say, I'm going to rub my fingers together with future draft picks and make an additional draft pick this year. The Carolina Panthers did that when they traded up for Matt Corral. They traded a future three and a current year later pick for the Patriots pick to draft Matt Corral. Now, don't draft Matt Corral with your third-round pick, duh. But at the same time, that's happened recently. And if you know I'm going to have two threes next year or I'm going to have two fours next year because of the compensatory compensation for Christian Wilkins, then I at least know I'm not going to be left without picks in a round again. Let me go up and make something happen here now because there's a guy on the board that I really want. So I think that's your pathway to maximizing your picks. Now, whether or not um, the Dolphins make the most of that or trade down multiple times, uh, I don't know. And maybe they get on the board of 21 and there's a player who's absolutely too good to be true and you can't pass up on. And if that's that's true, uh, maybe you look to trade down in the second round and get two threes or take the 2025 pick and come back up. Hard to say. Uh, a couple of questions in regards to the new salary cap um, forecast. We touched on that yesterday on the show. Um, so I want to acknowledge you guys for asking that question. Recommend you guys check out yesterday's program, which we went into uh, what the old and new forecast is, how they could use that internally on their own players and what kinds of players you could maybe use that money on. If you were going to use it externally in, in open market free agency. Um, What's the first thing you're going to do when we win next year's Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, weep. I would weep. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I have so much love for this team, and I have loved this team for so long that if you were to tell me that the Dolphins got locked in with a Lombardi trophy in my lifetime, it would be a life-changing experience for sure. Uh, what's your ideal starting offensive line next season? Not pie in the sky, realistically, given the free agents and draft prospects. This person left two hypotheticals. Tron Armstead, John Simpson, the left guard from the Baltimore Ravens, Jackson Powers Johnson, the center from the University of Oregon, Robert Hunt, and Austin Jackson. Or Tron Armstead, Damian Lewis, the left guard from the Seattle Seahawks, Jackson Powers Johnson, Robert Hunt, and Austin Jackson. I think that's probably the pie in the sky. I don't know that Miami's going to pay Robert Hunt and then they're going to pay Damian Lewis. And I would be surprised if Jackson Powers Johnson makes it to 21. So that's potentially a trade up opportunity. Just the, the market there seems like it's red hot and maybe positional value bails you out. I certainly didn't expect Creed Humphrey to last until the end of the second round, the year that he came out. I thought he's a fringe first round prospect. You never know. Never say never. But, yes, uh, I'll, I'll tip my hand here for the off-season blueprint stuff that we've been working on behind the scenes in the free agent scouting. Damian Lewis, the guard from Seattle, is one of my favorite fits in free agency for the Dolphins. I think he brings a lot of what is needed 
while not compromising what has kind of been the MO and the, the DNA of a successful Dolphins offensive lineman uh, during the last two seasons. Uh, our next question. I'm sorry to see X go, which seems likely at this point, but my, in my opinion, it's Miami should have traded him after his 10 interception year when his value was at its peak. And when X was requesting a trade, a production fall off was inevitable. Should Miami have given him a new contract at that point or traded him? That's tough because that was what 2020. So you've had three seasons that have come and gone since then. And, and yeah, Howard missed a couple of games. Uh, he missed two games last year. He missed four games this previous season. But he was still a really good player in 2021. I thought he played okay this past season. Uh, I thought he was kind of down in 2022. Uh, I thought playing through the injury really hurt him. I have a hard time knocking Miami too much because three years of quality production for a late 20s player, could you have found other corners to step in and give you 80% of the, the role for 50% of the cost? Yeah, sure. And if you were going to be smart and cash out high on a corner, 2020 is probably the year to do it when he should have won defensive player of the year. Like make no mistake, that was defensive player of the year season. He was targeted over a hundred times that year. He had one out of every 10 targets that season was an interception. He gave up a catch rate of 51% and a passer rating allowed of 48.3. Just, <laughs> just outrageous numbers. But Aaron Donald had his third best season in a three-year stretch. You have to give it to him. Uh, the following season, he had five picks, a passer rating of 72.6, completion percentage of 52% on targets. His yardage that he conceded was actually down. Yards per completion was down almost a full yard. Yards per target was down a half a yard in 2021. So then finding a way to make it work, um, I think you you got your money's worth. I think the hard part for for Howard at this stage is uh, you, you did it again, right? You've messed with this contract enough times where now you're going to pay for it on the back end a little bit. But he's played 2,700 snaps since that season in 2020. I think he gave you a good enough return that I don't have buyer's remorse for Xavier Howard. Uh, our next question is another trade draft strategy question. Why not continue to use high draft picks on premium positions like offensive tackles, corners, and avoid big investments uh, that are difficult to sign a big contract if they hit? Seems math change. Oh, you're throwing all our team building lingo over at Locked on NFL Scouting at me. So I love it. Math changers and premium players signed to big contracts should also apply to a draft investment. Also, why not trade back and get day two, three picks to stock up? Yes, I think they uh, the trade-up opportunity, if they have enough centers that they like, assuming that they need a center, you know, maybe they sign a center in free agency. There's a couple that I've watched in the last 72 hours that have my interest, and we'll get into all that on the show too in the, the days and weeks ahead. So make sure you hit subscribe. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Um, between Graham Barton from Duke and uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, who we've already alluded to, and Zach Frazier and Cedric Van Pran from Georgia, and then the free agency class uh, has Coleman Shelton from the Rams and Andre James. Um, there's options. 
if they alleviate the need to fill an obvious starting spot, which is the best place to be going in the draft, are they trading back unless there's too good of a true player, too good to be true player there, would probably be what I would advocate for. And yes, I, I do think when you're on a rookie wage scale, your first four years are dictated by your position in the draft queue, not by your positional value. So adding tackles and pass rushers and corners, that is kind of why you see teams so frequently gravitate towards those spots early in the draft, because you're locking them in on market-friendly price, assuming you hit. It's a big assumption to make at times. Now, we got a lot more of your questions coming up here on the show. Stick with us. Our next question is, I don't think a question, I think it's an opinion that's been stated. Miami has five spots on offense to add in free agency to help the offense. All three interior offensive line spots. In between the tackles, running back. And a third option pass catcher. What three of those positions would you want to address first? Well, it's a good question. So set this five spots, you got to leave two off. I think the back, because I really think there's one attractive free agent option being Derrick Henry that would really move the needle for me at all. Um, and, and in the early stages of free agency, I'd probably want to get other stuff tied up first. So I'd leave the, the, the back off. And then one of the guard spots that we need, you need to figure out the center spot. Uh, there's snap mechanics and logistics of pre-snap process, identification of fronts and calls and protection. You want to feel really good about that spot. So I would have that uh, as one of the, the, the first one I would want to address. Right guard, can we get Rob Hunt back, please? And then I'd probably take the third option pass catcher, just because I think from a field stress and spacing perspective, you could do a lot of good things with that little extra boost. Danny, I feel like our championship window has closed this past season. Given the roster turnover that's coming, what are reasonable expectations for the 2024 season? I would say this. Are the Dolphins going to field as good of a talented roster at the start of the year as they did this past year? If, unless they knock the first two days of the NFL draft out of the park, probably not. Now, I think they can get more efficient with how they're spending some of their dollars. I think some health of the guys on the edge can help dictate that a little bit as well. But a championship window comes down to having enough talent, staying healthy through the end of the season, and then having a few lux balls of the bounce, bounce of the ball bounce your way, playing your best ball late in the game, late in the season. Uh, I think Baltimore is a team that stands out to me as really that's a window that I think is definitively this iteration of the team is closed because they, they're not in cap heck like the Dolphins are, uh, but they have 
Queen, who's probably a 15 to $18 million a year linebacker. They have Matt Abweek, who's probably going to be a $20 million uh, interior defensive lineman. They have uh, Odell Beckham Jr. as an expiring contract. The running backs are expiring contracts. Both starting guards are expiring contracts. Uh, Geno Stone, who stepped in at safety, is an expiring contract for them. Uh, some of their corners are expiring contracts. Marlon Humphrey's been slowing down. Uh, Ronnie Stanley struggled with durability. So, like, that's a team. If you feel like a window is is closed, closed, they're going to have to recalibrate, and they'll probably be back in 2025. I still think they'll be good. They'll probably be a little bit more in what the tier of what Miami was this past year that the Dolphins are going to try to break through of that or hope that there's enough parity that you get the bounces of the ball late in the game, late in the season, to make a playoff run and a postseason run. Uh, I think realistic and reasonable expectations for Miami next year are double-digit wins, a chance to compete and potentially win the division, get a home playoff game, and hope that you don't have critical components of the team fall apart with injuries like they have each of the last two seasons. There's there's no reason why you can't get hot in December. I know Dolphins, the Dolphins teams have not done that in forever. But if you get hot at the right time of year, so long as you punch your ticket to the dance, anything could happen. I know it doesn't feel like that for Dolphins fans because their postseason appearances have gone a certain way for a certain amount of time. But I still think playoffs is the expectation. I still think competing for the division, potentially winning the division, is the expectation. Do I think you're going to go 14 and three next year? No, probably not. Whether you go 11 and six, yeah, I do. Do I think you win a playoff game next year? Yeah, I do. Our next question. Uh, I am indifferent towards the Dolphins after this past season. I'm struggling. This is from Ron. I know there's a lot of people that feel just like you, uh, Ron. Not quite feeling the offseason yet. I've been a fan since 71, and I'm waiting, just waiting on December and January to see if McDaniel and staff can figure it out. My question is, how do we manage the roster from now until then regarding the edge position? Chubb and Phillips should be back at minimum for the first two for the last two months. Need an early season fix until then. Would love to re-sign Andrew Van Ginkle. So we touched on Andrew a little bit yesterday. I do think that's a player who, if they're not going to spend it big on Christian, I think the $8 million boost in the cap projections helps the, the case of Andrew Van Ginkle back because I think that's like his total annual dollar amount on a new contract is probably going to be in that stratosphere. That'd be my guess. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody gives him $12 million a season. Won't be the first time I'm wrong. Won't be the last time I'm wrong. But my educated guess not educated based on knowing what teams are prepared to offer him, but looking at the market and looking at his play and understanding similar players across the league in, in recent years, I guess it's about $8 million. So I think that that's one. And I think you're going to get to post-June 1st. I'd expect there's going to be some money that's opened up somewhere along the way that gives you a second wave of spending after the compensatory pick spending window closes, which is June 1st. And I expect them to bring in a couple veteran pass rushers. There's vet pass rushers that sign for three, four, five million dollars for a single season who are signing in June and July every year. A lot of them because they don't want to go through the whole training camp. So I, I think that for me is you let it play out until a little bit later in the summer. 
get an idea on where the rehab is on both guys. And that dictates how big of an expenditure you're, you're prepared to bring into the mix. If this consensus is, man, neither one of these guys can be ready till mid-October, then you probably have to sign one of the bigger remaining free agents left. That's my two cents. Uh, do the Finns surprise us? And make a huge move, trade up in the draft, trade or massive signing with subsequent moves to make the big money work. Man, they they love to find themselves not just a flashy move. Um, in recent last two and a half years, it's been Tyreek Hill, Bradley Chubb, and Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I think they are still of the frame of mind that this is a competitive season for them. So if they find the right intersection of compensation, financial feasibility, needle moving where the Dolphins need a player. Yeah, I, I would expect them. You know, Chris, Chris makes a ton of phone calls. That's a give him a ton of credit for that. He's constantly working the phones, constantly fishing for opportunities. And the Dolphins have shown that they're not afraid to attack it. Uh, Kyle feels like you believe Tua's performance. Uh, is about is worth about thirty five million dollars per year on a contract, and he and his camp are hardcore about pushing for fifty million dollars a year. Would it make any sense for us to make him play his fifth year option on his current contract and prove that he is worth that kind of elite money? Yes, if you don't have the conviction in where you're at, I would say this: the the Dolphins at some point they they've had good process. The results haven't necessarily completely aligned with that. Uh, as far as the postseason success is not coming, there's been consistency with competitiveness for the first time in a really long time. Uh, but if there's no breakthrough, at some point, the magnifying glass is going to be put back in and say, okay, what's going on and why can we not have the breakthrough that we're looking for? And if that were to be the case, I would be inclined to think that the brain trust of current football operations would probably be looked at very closely with a critical eye. So if I'm Chris Greer and I'm sitting in the shoes today, February 21st, and I understand we've been doing a lot of good stuff, but we haven't had that breakthrough yet. Maybe a little bit of pressure this upcoming season is is maximizing the remaining opportunity that you have not the only appropriate course of action? Because if you go halfway in and halfway out and you skirt this and you say, well, you know, we, we don't want to give the big contract, it's not going to be Chris Greer's problem. If they give the $50 million a year contract to Tua and it doesn't go well, it doesn't go well, guess what? Chris can be gone, right? So for me... I've been working on my contract proposal for Tua uh, as content for the show. I'm not actually going to send it to him. Maybe he would take mine. I don't know. I think his contract performance relative to the current quarterback market is somewhere in the low to mid 40s. Would be an appropriate offer for the two-year production while acknowledging the durability issues that have dogged him since he's come into the league. You can't really point to sample size being an issue, but you can point to uh, 
the lack of postseason success. And not all of that's on Tua. I understand that. But one of the things that you would have liked to have seen down the stretch is him elevate the play of those around him to help pull the team through some of the hardship that they were in. By making him play on his fifth-year option, you are risking him doing what Christian Wilkins just did to you while simultaneously cutting your own nose off to spite your face in a 2024 year where you're expected to compete and you want to compete and the cap space that would come. This is why I, I know um, Omar Kelly's talked a lot about the salary cap apocalypse that's coming. And th those are his words, not mine. Cause I know him and I don't, it's ironic because I think Omar and I see a lot of it pretty similar. Just the end result on, on our opinion that came out is a little differently. And I think if, if him and I sat down and we talked through it, I know we did this in training camp last year, there's probably a lot more overlap than just like my presentation of my opinion and his presentation of his opinion stance. But having to a play on his fifth year option costs you retaining other players on the team. Now that doesn't mean you can't do it. But the consequences of that for me, if I'm putting myself in the shoes of those people who are running the team, is not worth it. I think a contract extension, understanding that it's probably a three, three and a half year commitment on a, if you gave the standard five year contract extension that's given out, about 60, 50 to 60% of that is guaranteed money, uh, allows you to compete now it allows you to retain the quarterback on a relatively cheap salary cap hit next year as well so you get two more years of relatively cheap quarterback spending which gets you through this current prime iteration of armstead and ramsey and howard and tyreek hill potentially like all these premier players that are your cornerstone players now that are paid like it Within like after the next two years, starting in like 2026, you may only have one or two of those guys left because the young guys that are, are in-house that are on rookie contracts will be paid like the players we think they are. And they will be the new pillars that you're trying to complement and build around. So I think by giving to an extension, even if it's a dollar amount that maybe makes you a little Joe Philbin queasy and shout out to Joe Philbin. You know, he just got added to the Raiders staff yesterday. Um, I think that's better than letting him play out his fifth year option. But if you don't have the conviction in Tua and you as a fan have every right to feel that because it's not, you're not trying to balance your job with the team with building out the most competitive roster that you can, it's very easy for those on the outside to say, yeah, I need to see it again, or he only stayed healthy one season, let him play on the fifth-year option, and if it doesn't go well, you can pull the get-out-of-jail-free card and go find another quarterback. Do they go that route? I'd be surprised. It sounds like there's motivation from both sides. Is it the best pathway? That's for you to have your opinion on me to have my opinion on and uh, hopefully respectfully disagree about it if we don't see it eye to eye. But I know, I think, I think I know what the Dolphins are going to do.
And I think $50 million in that stratosphere pushing towards that is kind of something I expect. I do expect it. Is it more than I would personally feel comfortable spending? Yes, based off his play. But the market's the market. And if you wait another 18 months, Dak Prescott's getting $60 million thrown around his name right now. Just wait, because the cap's only going to continue to go up. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Uh, you guys had a lot more questions that I appreciate you guys checking in with. I'll try to answer as many of them individually and one-on-one as I possibly can. You can keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. I'll be back again tomorrow for more conversation around our Miami Dolphins. Fins up.